0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Winners Win Podcast. This is your host, Eddie Huser. Welcome back to episode six. Uh, there's a lot I want to jump into today, and I, I want to get right into this because there's there's a few things I want to cover. Obviously, NFL playoffs last week, crazy games, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of fun. But first things first, <laughs> I want to talk about this guy, Doc Rivers, who I now call Glenn Rivers, the head coach of the 76ers. Look, they've been playing great. Last week, they blow a, I believe it was a 24-point lead to the Clippers. And this is what I mean when I say every week about, like, you know, what kind of guy, what kind of people are you dealing with? You know, when things are good, it's easy. But when things get bad, you know, how do people act? And so here we go again with this Glenn Rivers. Brett Brown took all the blame for, like, what was it, six years he was here? But I, I don't hear much about negative about this guy. So uh, they lose it. Tw- anyway, they blow a 24-point lead to the Clippers. After the game, Glenn Rivers gets asked one hard question. I don't know. Um, would you ask Pop that question? You wouldn't. So don't ask me that question. Really. So anyone that could that didn't hear that, he gets asked, what part of this loss, this 24-point lead that you blew, what part of this loss would you attribute to coaching? And here's your team leader, Glenn Rivers. I don't know. I don't know. Would you ask Pop that question? Greg Popovich. Don't ask me that question. Here he goes, playing, playing this card. I've earned that. He says, I've earned that. Okay, Glenn. So let's walk through this then. You've earned that? All right. So let's walk through how much you've earned, okay? You've coached in the NBA since 2003. You started your career with, I'm sorry, since 99. You, you started your career with Orlando Magic. I'll give you credit. You won coach of the year in the year 2000. Because I, I want to really dive into this. Because if you, you want to be arrogant, I've earned that compare yourself to Greg Popovich. All right, let's do it. So 1999 and 2003, you're the coach of the Orlando magic. You win coach of the year in 2000. Cause if you're any, you know, I, I kind of remember that team. They weren't expected to go far. They make the playoffs. All right. 99, they miss the playoffs. 2000, they make the playoffs first round exit. He makes the playoffs the next two years in Orlando first round exit. Okay, so just for just for like perspective, making the playoffs in the NBA is is not the hardest feat. The bottom half of each conference, a lot of years, stinks. Eight teams make it. This isn't baseball. Okay, so I'll give him credit. He makes the playoffs three out of four years. First round exits in Orlando. Okay, he starts his, his following year one in 10 and he gets fired. Now, the year before they go 1-10 and 10, when, they missed, when they lose in the first round, Tracy McGrady, scoring leader, averaged 32 points a game. That's his best player. They're up 3-1 to one on the Detroit Pistons, and the famous quote from Tracy McGrady is, it finally feels good to get out of the first round. They blow it. Okay, so there's Doc's first – I'm sorry, Glenn's first 3-1 collapse in Orlando. Move on, Boston Celtics. Now, this is where most people remember Glenn as a Celtics coach. Okay. So let's go through this. Was he really successful? Let's find out. So he's the coach for, from 2004 to 2013, early on 2006, famous journalist in Boston, Bill Simmons, who covered Larry Bird and has been around forever. He's calling for him to get fired. That's how bad it is. his coaching style. So anyway, they they do a good job. They get three hall of famers in there, which is, which was one of the first super teams we saw, which was Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, don't forget Rajon Rondo, who was incredible for them in postseason. So, so now they have an all-star team, okay? So 2008, they win the title. They beat the Lakers. Now, that Lakers team, it was Kobe. <laughs> Shaq was gone. It was Kobe, Gasol, Lamar Odom. They were a good team, but it was Kobe, okay? So they beat him. 2010, they, they come back and lose to the Lakers in the finals. All right, so, so what happened in Boston? He loses – th- this is from the beginning. Loses in the first round, misses the playoffs, misses the playoffs, wins the title, loses in the conference finals, loses in the NBA finals. Let's not, rem- let's not forget 2010, he has a 3-2 lead on L.A. Loses game six at home, then loses game seven. Again, three, three Hall of Famers. Kobe was the only Hall of Famer on the Lakers. Loses the conference semifinals after that, loses the conference finals after that, and loses in the first round. And, and by the way, the, the conference finals the year before that that, that one – before he loses in the first round, he goes seven games with the Sixers. Doug Collins is Sixers who (laughs) were fun to watch, but they were no team that should take you seven. Okay. They took him seven games and he still had three Hall of Famers. So then he gets traded, which is like unprecedented. They trade him to the Clippers. So you can, you look at his Celtics career, you go, was he successful? I don't know. I mean, yeah, he won a ring. Okay. I'll give him credit. But he's there from 4 to 13. Before he gets the three Hall of Famers, they want to fire him. He gets the three Hall of Famers, he wins a ring. Blows a 3-2 lead to the Lakers. And then they're kind of like average after that. And then that was when the Miami Heat started coming along late in the middle of that. Actually towards the end of that. Then he couldn't beat that. Then he goes to L.A. He gets traded. He gets traded to L.A. for an unprotected 2015 pick. They make him vice president of basketball operations. He's the head coach. So, so this, is, this is his track record in LA. Okay, In the beginning, when he gets there, he's got some pretty good teams. If you remember the 2015 Clippers, Chris Paul, J.J. Redick, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, pretty good. Won a lot of games. So that year, he blows a 3-1 lead to the Rockets. Game six, for all the basketball fans out there, remember, he's up 87 to 68 in the second half. He lets Josh Smith and Corey Brewer with James Harden on the bench come back and beat him in game six. Then he loses game seven. That's the second three, one lead that he blew Clippers in 2020. And they, they, they get kind of what there is. What's their super team. They get Kawhi Leonard coming off a championship in Toronto and Paul George. He comes back and gets another three, one lead that year loses to the Nuggets blew a 15-point lead in game five, blew a 19-point lead in game six, and then had a total collapse in game seven, getting ripped by the media in L.A. for doubling Jokic in game seven, who's, who's one of the best passing centers in the league. So, so you, you, see the, you see the pattern here? This is a guy that says he earned it, Glenn Rivers. A lot of collapses here. So is this – they've taken on the personality of you? Obviously, we see you don't want to look in the mirror. So then he steps down. Okay, 2020, he steps down. Never able to lead that team to a conference final, by the way. All all first, all second round exits. And, and these are good teams, by the way. I mean, I'm looking at the wins 57 wins, 56 wins, 53 wins. The end of the Boston year, 62 wins, 50 wins, 56 wins. I mean, these are teams with a lot of expectations. Okay. So then he so then he gets fired. Step, he stepped down. Okay. So then he get, then he gets hired by the Sixers. All right, so here he comes to the Sixers. They have all these expectations. They haven't met them. It was Brett Brown's fault. Everyone blames Brett Brown. Okay, he's fired. So here comes Glenn Rivers. He wins 49 first year. He wins 49 games. They get the one seed in the East, which anyone who's ever followed them yeah, you get the one seed in the East, you get to the conference finals, minimum, unless there's an injury. Gets the one seed in the East, gets through the first round, runs into a, Tough Hawks team, but nowhere near as good as the Sixers were. I think they're the five seed. And he loses. He loses game five at home in an epic collapse. He goes on the road and wins game six, comes home and loses game seven. Now, I've followed NBA home teams playing game sevens in the playoffs my entire life. They don't lose. I think the number is like 91%. He loses. So that's Doc. Only 13 teams in NBA history have blown 3-1 leads in seven-game series. He's done it three times. Three times. Himself. Three different teams. He's also blown 3-2 leads. 2010 finals, like I already talked about. And then in 2012 Eastern Conference finals, he's up 3-2. Blows that. So, I don't want to hear I earned it when you're asked, is it on the coach when you blow a 24 point lead, doc? Because no, you didn't earn it. Because I just went back to 1999 and you've been blowing big leads in big games for over 20 years with really good teams. So, the question should be hey, doc, this has been a problem for 20 years. Do we have to continue to worry about this? Because if this team gets in the postseason, is this going to continue? If not, what are you doing to fix it? Are you looking in the mirror? How about some accountability? Brett Brown fell on the sword. Who is this guy? He won one NBA final with three Hall of Famers. Who is he? I watch him late in games. I was at a Celtic Sixers game two months ago. He's down one, comes out of a timeout, can't even get a shot off. His X's and O's are as bad as anybody's. So what? Because because you have a nickname Doc Rivers? People are supposed to just respect you. So then you want to bring up Popovich. Now, look, I'm no fan of Greg Popovich for a lot of reasons. I think he's a creep. But you want to put yourself in the same breath as Popovich. Popovich has five championships. And they built that. That wasn't, that wasn't some super team that they got through free agency. It's Tim Duncan, one, one of the best players of all time. Some really good players and Tony Parker and Ginobili and stuff like that. They got five championships. And he played in a brutal Western Conference for most of those years. I look at at Doc's career record. He's 992 wins, 704 losses. Pop has 1,310 wins, 653 losses. He's played almost 400 more games, Pop. And he has less losses. And I don't remember any as epic as yours, especially in the postseason. So I don't want to hear you, the arrogance of you, the ego of Glenn Rivers to start naming yourself in a conversation with Pop because you're asked a tough question that you don't like after you lost a game five and seven at home last year with the number one seed. Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me, one in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's gonna leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Pan. And Shepard, as we dive into them, insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you had to be there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about my albatross? And then to say you earned? It. Well, you didn't earn it, Glenn. So we'll see what you do this year. Because if you lose this year, with the way Joel Embiid's playing, and we'll see, they're 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 not going to. I don't think they're going to get out of the second round. Again, unless they make a blockbuster trade. But if there's some collapses in there, I want fingers pointed at him because Brett Brown took all the heat when they lost. And I, and I wasn't the biggest Brett Brown fan, but I, I could see there were other issues. But this guy, this guy just for whatever reason, he's totally forgotten because he won a championship in 2008 with three Hall of Famers. Give me a break. Real quick, I, you know, I, just to give an overview of last week, what, what a great six games in the nfl um there's some craziness some surprises interesting to see brady and rogers go down um almost like a passing of a torch to these young kids i mean there's some young stud quarterbacks coming up and you know the the one game that everyone talks about is this is this bill's chiefs game i think it was the last game of the week it was probably the most exciting game and i watched that game and and, you know both quarterbacks i mean Mahomes and Josh Allen, just absolute superstars. Going to be around for a long time. Just winners, tough, competing at a high level. Bills take the lead. Chiefs go down and take the lead. Bills come back and take the lead, 13 seconds. And I thought it was absolutely disgraceful that they go down and get a field goal. I mean, it was like arena football. They got everybody playing back. They're scared of Tyreek Hill. And I'm saying, there's 13 seconds. Why are you kicking the ball in the end zone? Kick the ball to the 10-yard line. Make him eat four or five seconds off the clock. He's got one play. So anyway, they get in overtime. And so here's where the controversy comes in. They get in overtime. Chiefs win the coin toss and they go down and win, which was expected. I think everyone saw when they won the coin toss, the game was over. You could see the Bills supposedly number one defense couldn't stop them. So the the controversy is, well, you know, we got to change these overtime rules. And I'll be honest, that was the first thing I thought. And and that was even before seeing Twitter or any of the stuff on on, on TV. But then I hear the pushback of like, you know, we'll get a stop. It's on you to get a stop. And I think, you know, I I, I would probably be one that years ago, like that was my thought. Like, all right, we'll get a stop. If you can't get a stop, you don't deserve to win. But then in a game like that, where neither team's getting a stop, it really stood out. It really jumped out to me. I started asking, well, wait a minute. Why don't the Chiefs have to get a stop? Their defense did nothing to win that game; they were horrible. So, because they win a coin toss, they don't have to go back on the field. Because if the Bills win the coin toss, Josh Allen wins. So you have an NBA, you have an NFL playoff game where a kid like Josh Allen, who was playing lights out, doesn't touch the ball. So I started looking into it because I start remembering some games, like three years ago. Mahomes, Britain, New England plays at Kansas City. Good game. New England's up 14 nothing at halftime. They, Kansas City comes back, end up going in overtime. New England wins a toss, goes down the field, wins. Mahomes doesn't touch the ball. Super Bowl 2017, 28-3 Falcons, Patriots come all the way back. Patriots win the coin toss, go down, win. Falcons don't touch the ball. So I look. So I say, well, because this, this rule's recent. You know, this got to score a touchdown. It used to be a field goal. So since this rule, rule has been implemented, there's been 11 playoff games that have gone in overtime. The team that has won the coin toss is 10 and 1. So my mindset is you have to change it. They either both have to get the ball and then you play sudden death or you play another quarter where you play 10 minutes running clock. You have to change it. Because Kansas City's defense, people that say Bills had to get a stop. Well, why doesn't Kansas City have to get a stop? Because of a coin toss, to me, that's not right. In a game like that, that's a shootout. And both defenses can't get a stop. It shouldn't come down to a coin toss. That doesn't show you who's the better team. So I think it'll change. My prediction is it changes. I think that I think there are there'll be some rule changes this year. I, I think that'll be that'll be one of them, at least in the postseason. Because you, you can't have a you can't have a kid like Josh Allen sitting there with his helmet on, with a look of disgust on his face, and doesn't touch the ball. So you look ahead to this week. So you have Chiefs, Bengals, Niners, Rams. Two two really interesting games. I mean, the first game is Rams. Nine. oh, I think the first game is actually Bills. Chiefs. I'm sorry, Bengals. Chiefs. So the Bengals just beat them January 2nd in Kansas City in a shootout, 34-31. So you have to ask yourself, are the Bengals going to win an arrowhead twice in the same month? I don't think so. I don't think they're ready. As good as Barrow is, as good as Jamar Chase is, as far as that team has come, they have a lot of problems on the offensive line. He got sacked nine times last week. And the bottom line is this kid Mahomes does not lose playoff games at home. He's been a four straight AFC championships. He's lost one playoff game at home to Brady, which who hasn't, three years ago. You know, he's ne- he's never played a road playoff game, Patrick Mahomes. That was shocking to me. He's never played a road playoff game. He just plays in Arrowhead, and he just wins. He's 25 years old. So I just think with their experience with him, the way they play at home, I think they get it done. I mean, the future's bright for, for Barrow and the Bengals, but I think uh, – you know, I, I think they've come as far as uh, they're going to, they're going to go. The next game, nine, Niners Rams. That's another super interesting game. So here's this San Francisco team, which I, I was on a month ago. And it all started when they beat the Rams. After the Rams blow a 17, nothing lead. And then they go on this unbelievable run where they just win in Lambeau and probably end Rogers time in green Bay. And this team just gets it done so many ways, special teams, defense, Big third downs, run the ball down your throat, just smash you. And I look and I say, well, you know, the Rams are better on paper. Rams are probably the best team in the NFL on paper, but San Francisco owns them. San Francisco has beaten them six straight times. Okay. So they play twice a year and the Rams have been good for the last few years. This isn't like they've, they've been in a rebuild or they stink. So San Francisco has beaten them six straight times, two times a year. Now how hard that is. Especially against a good team. So they own them. So the game's in LA. Now you would think with Brady and Rodgers out and this game in LA and the Super Bowl in LA, that the Rams would win. But, you know, I don't know. If they get behind 10 0, do they start seeing ghosts? Because San Francisco thinks they can win, they think that they're going to win. And the one thing about the Rams, as good as they are, They're front runners. They're the ultimate front runners. When they're, if they get ahead on you, they're as good as anybody. They get behind, they look, they play a little tight. You look last week, they're up 27 and three. Everything's great. As that game moves on, things start happening. They start, you see, they start fumbling the ball. They start snapping the ball over Stafford's head. So the thing I would watch with that game is see how it starts. San Francisco gets up. I'd watch out. Let's see what the Rams do if they get behind, especially with a team that owns them and that isn't scared of them. And that plays tough football, old school football, very well coached. And then the other side, like I said, I just think the chiefs will be too much or seven point favorites. That's actually going to be my pick of the week. Kansas city chiefs. I think that uh, the line's high. I don't love the line, but I, I just think they're too much the way they score. You know, I worry about their defense and especially because like I said, Bengals scored 34 on them a couple weeks ago, but you know, that, that offensive line for Cincinnati, you know, I, I don't love them. And um, I think the chiefs get it done. So last thing before I go uh, just want, just want to give another one of these tips, I, things that I'm working on things that I'm trying to reflect on things that I'm learning as I go, you know, it's such a process and a journey. One thing I heard recently was, um, and I credit this to Jordan Peterson, who I've, I've read a ton of and have listened to a ton of his lectures. One thing he says is, and and I never thought of it this way. He said, everything you do matters. And, you know, I, I was always someone who looked very, looked at myself internally. I didn't always look at how my actions may affect others or I was very nihilistic, like nothing matters, you know, who's gonna care in a hundred years if I do this or that. And I've learned it's such the wrong way to look at it. You know, everything matters. You might know a hundred people, but they might know a hundred people and they might know, so you may be a few people removed from a million people. So your impact is much greater than you think and much greater than we know and and if you don't believe it just watch how just watch when you are in a room of people if you're miserable if you're being negative if you're pointing out all the problems watch how the air just gets sucked out of that room because our influence is greater than we than we know everything matters carl jung had a quote everything you do you're responsible for everything that happens to you and you're responsible for everything that happens to everybody else And that's, that's, that's complex. I mean, that's deep. So I think when you look at it like that and you realize you have to take on the responsibility of not only how you act, but how you act is going to determine how someone else acts. And it's not just you, your family your friends, how you greet them, how you encourage them. You know, we we need people, people get no encouragement. You know, you just look around, I just, it's, it's actually sad how much little encouragement people get. And we need so little of that. I feel like if you just get that little encouragement, it it can take you so far. So I've just tried to remember that everything you do matters every day. You tell yourself that every decision you make, you know, as humans, we've realized that we can, we can bargain with the future. You know, if you sacrifice something today, it usually pays dividends years down the road. Well, it's the same thing the other way. You know when something bad happens to you you can usually point at something you did in the past that may be the cause of that you know i read this book gulag archipelago it's about the prisons in the soviet union between 1919 and 1959 almost 100 million people died and the guy that writes the book alexander solzhenitsyn who was a who was actually in the military soviet union military member who was put into prison It was so unbelievable when I read it, it jumped off the page of me. He said, when I, when I got put in prison, I spent the time going through my life with a fine tooth comb to try to figure out what I did to put myself there, what I did to deserve it. And when you did it, he started to find things. It wasn't, why is this happening to me? I I have bad luck. I can't believe this. It was no, hold on. Three years ago, I did this. And then I did this. And then this happened. And then this, oh, look, I'm in a prison camp. And obviously it's not that, you know, we we may not be able to relate to that. That's the extreme. But just the example of it, you know, your actions matter. Things you do matter, how you treat people. How you behave although you think it's only affecting you it's affecting everyone around you and then everyone around them and so on and so on. So so our impact is greater than we think. So I'll leave you with that. Um so again I, I like the Chiefs let us take a look and uh let's keep our eye, eye on doc Glenn Doc Rivers as we as we get into the postseason in a few months. Let's see how he collapses again and then decides to 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 ask uh would they ask that the Popovich and then um, you know, this week, let's, let's, let's just try to if if we can do anything, remember everything you do matters. All right, see you next week.